Getting to know your money personality just might help you clear up a lot of your confusion about your money habits. Come on and tap in right after this. Welcome to the Black Girl Bravado podcast, your weekly fix for all things mental health and wellness. I'm Brittany, the joke-cracking, detail-oriented friend who is always down the road when you need her. For the legal stuff, though, not the illegal stuff. And I'm Germany, the loyal friend who keeps you laughing. I'm a ray of sunshine, and you can always find me on the dance floor. And not only are we besties, but we're your besties. You heard me right. It's homegirl vibes here. Get ready for the girls to dish the real, the raw, and the fucking funny. And listen, we may drag you, but it's always in love. Let's start the show, cuties. Hey, my loves. Welcome back. Hello, boo-boo babies. Yes. <laughs> my little boo-boo Hey, babies. hey, hey. Brittany. <laughs> Every time you do that specific um intro singing harmony what yeah that version of it though hey 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 and you know what i know we have a lot of new listeners the girlies went viral this week and we or have a lot of new we have a lot of new listeners who came over they let us know they was coming so welcome get down sit down get down get down get down sit down jeremy's gonna make you some tea <laughs> and we're gonna have a good time today yes welcome y'all it feels so good to have New homegirls, new, new, whatever, however you identify as a part of the gang. Yeah. It's, it's a really special place here. I will say, once you get a taste. Homegirls is gender neutral here. Oh, I like that. It is. Yeah. It's kind of like how people be like the girls. The girls could be boys, girls, they, whatever. them. It's just. It's uh, all. Yeah. It's all. All inclusive. Exactly. So uh, it just feels good to have more people joining us here. Because like I said, once you get a taste of this, you do not want to go anywhere else. <laughs> That's just that. You don't want to go nowhere else. So how are you doing today? I am doing really well. You what, are? what did that guy say? Really well? Amazing. I'm doing really amazing. He said amazing. Good. I'm doing I'm doing really good. I'm feeling good. Me too. I am. I'm feeling like I've been able to kind of catch my breath. You know? Mm-hmm. Some of the hustle and bustle has simmered down just a bit to be able to catch my breath, come up for air. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today. I don't really have any complaints. Every time you tell me that I have the same mannerisms as mannerisms you say I have the same mom, mannerisms as my identical girl. There are certain things that you do, and I'm like, Connie, when'd you get here? <laughs> it very much so gives that. She's in my vet. Va- what, what? I don't know. <laughs> what did Beyonce say? You got my blood in ya. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Her blood in me is rising. <laughs> girl. Girl, hell yeah. Yeah, so um, how was your weekend? Anything fun happened? My weekend was actually very lit, unexpectedly. I started, kicked it off the weekend at Anderson Pack's birthday party. Mm -hmm. He had a birthday party at this speakeasy that's at the Line Hotel in Koreatown. My homeboy Curly hit me up and asked me if I wanted to go. And, you know, I rarely, I rarely turn down a good time. So I say, yeah, I'm down. So we went, they had us lock up our damn phones yeah. in them the little Dave Chappelle, the Dave Chappelle experience, the comedy show. Yeah, the comedy show. So phones were locked up. But I appreciated that element because, you know, you just vibe. Mm-hmm. You just vibe. Mm-hmm. Some people were thirsty and snuck their fucking phones in, mm-hmm. which is like, why? Yeah. But I guess people do what they want to do. But it was cool. Open bar. You know, we love an open bar. 
And he had Fatburger there, too, and they were going around, passing around food. The theme was Olympics. I, unfortunately, was not in theme, but it was a good time. Case not a DJ'd. There were some performances, my favorite being Thundercat. Oh, beautiful. And I had a good time. Saturday, we had a content day, which I'm proud of us for really banging out what we needed to bang out. That felt good. Germany beat my ass in the gym. <laughs> Every time you say that. She beat my ass. I hadn't been. You loved it, though. I did. The next day, she was like, I like it. <laughs> I did. I liked it. And then Period. Sunday, um, what did I do? You went I went to again. a day party. You went out. I will say that I'm... Um, I didn't have any envy. I'm not, I don't want to say it's envy because, you know, I'd be wanting to beat her ass anytime she link up with other people. But I didn't have any any of those feelings in my heart. Good. I didn't. I said, go on here and do, don't do too much. Bring your ass right back. The, um, like a black mother. The Mariah Carey. Go have a little Spread time. Spread your wings. But don't ask to spend a night. <laughs> it was giving that. Go on, you can go over go there. Go don't ask to spend a night. and come home before the street lights come. Come and bring your ass right back. So yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. I had a relaxing weekend. Felt good. I just felt like the past few weeks have been so busy. I needed to like really reset. So I'm glad I took that time for myself. And now I feel ready to turn up this weekend. Shake a little ass. I'm excited. Things are looking up. It is. Things are looking up. It is. And we're here back with Mm y'all in our series. So we have been doing this Curate Your Life series if you're new here. And in this This series. This is actually the last episode of the series. This is. We're wrapping up. So this series has been about curating the life that you want from your timeline to your wardrobe, relationships. And today we're going to be talking about finances. Yes. And being that this is a wellness podcast, right? Um, I feel like there's so many aspects of wellness that we talk about. Self-care, boundaries, mental health, all of the things, but we have not even removed financial wellness, but like not even included that aspect of our wellness in our conversations. And you know, having your money together is key to keeping your mind right. For me, at least. Same. If my money's not right, my mind is for sure not right. Period. Shit is in shambles. I'm like, wait, what's going on? What's going on with my account? They say more money's more problems. I say no, no money. No is, is more problems. Okay? <laughs> no money, more problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Financial wellness definitely needs to be put into our wellness conversations. We hear all these conversations about financial literacy as it pertains to investing and making your money work for you and saving. But I think we need to start at the foundation of why we have our beliefs around money, right? Like what shapes our beliefs and thoughts around money, which affects our behaviors when it comes to money, right? I think that's the first step to financial literacy because some of us can't even wrap our mind around investing or saving when we're just trying to stay afloat and figure out why is my money not money? Right, exactly. I want my money to money. So we're going to be talking about that today, talking about our financial archetypes, and we'll maybe using money personality interchangeably. They're the same thing. Mm-hmm. But that's what we're talking about today, getting to the bottom of our behavior around money. Yes. So you brought up money personalities, and I'm sure y'all are probably like, nigga, what? A money personality? Because that's how I was feeling the first time I heard money personality. But money personalities are basically the why you spend the way you spend, right? It's it's really figuring out 
the why, how you interact with money and why you interact with money the way you do. And it doesn't make you bad or good. If you have a specific personality, these personalities are neutral, but understanding them is what helps us implement better habits and to just be smarter and make better choices around our money. Yeah. And I would also say that your money personality can be a combination of multiple aspects of the money personalities. It could be interchangeable that, you know, different. Yeah. We just want to make our money work for us and make sense to us and for us. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to do. So let's just jump right into it. The first thing that knowing your money personality type can help you with is to help you understand why you interact with money the way that you do. Mm -hmm. We all know that there's a root cause to so many different things. So we want to know why am I like this? Right. Where did this come from? Right. It can also help you truly see the way you're supposed to use your money, which is a tool. Putting your money to use, giving it assignment and moving accordingly. And then knowing your money personality can also help you identify triggers. Mm -hmm. We all know that different things trigger us. We can identify these certain triggers that might make us either hoard money or spend our money impulsively. Right. Because we want to be in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Additionally, it can help you figure out how to set up the life that you actually want to live so that you can enjoy your money and not become triggered or anxious or fret about what's happening with it because you already know what the fuck is going on. For sure, for sure. And then also identifying your money personality can help you invest it wisely. We know that's one of the big goals, financial goals. But once you identify this, you can begin to see, okay, how can I invest my money wisely? There's a variety of ways to invest. And by knowing your money personality, you can identify what's the best way for me to invest. So let's get into the money personality. Please, because you know we want to know. Period. Okay, y'all. So we are going to be looking into four money personalities. The first is being blissfully ignorant. So this is a person who likely feels uncomfortable dealing with their money head on, right? You are either... You don't want to open up your account. You feel uncomfortable talking about money. You're avoidant when it comes to money issues and you rather just not even know what's popping so that it doesn't have to bring you any stress or worries. Yeah. Not opening the bills, maybe saying I don't deserve money or people that have a lot of money are bad. You know, those type of thoughts. Not reviewing your bank statements, feeling like money will work itself out. It'll figure it out itself out. I don't have to worry about it, child. I'm not going to let it worry me. Yeah, that's something we love to say. And then we have the admirer. So the admirer enjoys making and having money. So this is a person that probably is entrepreneurial, has side hustles, multiple streams of income. It's pretty focused on how to make more money. I need the money. Money rules everything around me, right? And money is the key to my happiness. The more money that I have, the happier that I am. And it just alleviates the problems that I might have. Okay, What's the next one? The free spirit or the spender, honey. Hey, big spender. It's very much so giving (laughs) that. It's giving that. So, baby, these folks believe that money is meant to be spent. If we're here on earth, we might as well ball out. Let's have a good time. They're likely the person who's picking up the tab. Girl, she's doing little things for her friends. Don't worry. It's on me. We go to the bar. I got this round. It's all of those things. I'm going to treat myself, not cheat myself. Listen. Just running it up, right? Mm-hmm, Bringing mm-hmm. things to everyone's home. Oh, I have it. I have it. I have it. You have it, which can be seen as generous yeah, in some sense, but it also can be seen as something else. And a little impulsive. These people are those ones who go on a shopping spree like all the time. All the time. <laughs> it's like, I just need to buy something. I just need to get this. I need to get that. And then we have our doomsday preppers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in the name, but those that are doomsday preppers, 
They think about money a lot, but that's because they're fearful of running out of said money, right? Like I need to keep my coins close because I need my coins. I don't want to run out of them. So these are the people that tend to be deal finders. We have the coupon savers. We have the I only get it if it's on sale. Yeah, the very frugal girls. And on the surface, these people tend to be in a good place financially because they're saving But inside, they're feeling a lot of anxiety about money, right? So it's like they have it, but the mental around it is in another Taxing. Yeah. Taxing. So we broke it down for y'all. When we come back, we are going to have an amazing conversation with a beautiful guest who is going to give us more insight about money and how we can make it work for us. We'll be right back after this. Have you ever dreamed of effortlessly conversing in another language? Whether it's for that upcoming international trip, connecting with family and friends, diving deep into a new culture, or simply adding a new skill to your repertoire, learning a new language opens up a world of opportunities. But let's face it, traditional methods like textbooks and classroom learning can be a drag. That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. As the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years, Rosetta Stone offers a revolutionary approach that truly immerses you in the language you want to learn without relying on CDs or DVDs. Picture this, you're effortlessly conversing in Spanish on the streets of Barcelona, ordering tapas like a local, or discussing the latest French designers with Parisians. So sexy, right? With Rosetta Stone's intuitive process, you'll learn naturally starting with words, then phrases, then full sentences. And with over 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish, the possibilities are endless. Rosetta Stone's speech recognition technology, including the True Accent feature, acts like a personal trainer for your accent, providing instant feedback on your pronunciation. Plus, with both desktop and app options available, along with offline lesson downloads and an audio companion, learning for the babe on the go has never been easier. And here's the best part. For a limited time, Rosetta Stone is offering a lifetime membership for 50% off, y'all. That's right, lifetime access to all 25 language courses for half the price. Don't miss out on this amazing deal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, BGB listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Ladies, let's talk real talk here. You probably have days when the PMS has you feeling like you could eat anything in sight. My goodness, the cravings and the general discomfort. Well, say goodbye to those days with Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth. Let's dive into why Hormone Harmony is not just another supplement, but a true game changer. First off, it's not just a trend. It's a phenomenon. Social media is buzzing with women singing praises about hormone harmony. In fact, a bottle flies off the shelves every 24 seconds. Can y'all believe that? Now let's talk about Happy Mammoth, the brilliant minds behind this wonderful product. They're all about making your life easier and that means no compromises on quality. 
They've meticulously crafted hormone harmony using only science-backed ingredients proven to work wonders for women like us. But here's my favorite part. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, nature's little miracle workers. These herbal extracts help your body adapt to life stressors, especially those pesky hormonal changes that can throw us off balance. And here's the kicker. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. It's your secret weapon against those hormonal imbalances that can wreak havoc on your life. From hot flashes and night sweats to racing thoughts and low moods, Hormone Harmony has got your back. And yes, it even tackles the occasional bloat and that not tonight boo feeling. (laughs) The real benefit here, the real win, feeling like yourself again. That's why countless women are raving about it in over 17,000 glowing reviews. We love a verified product, honey. Now here's your chance to experience the magic firsthand. For a limited time, you can get a fabulous 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BRAVADO at checkout. So what are you waiting for, homegirl? Say hello to balanced hormones and goodbye to those days of feeling like a roller coaster. Your journey to hormone harmony starts now. Okay, everyone. So today we have Lauren Simmons with us. She is a producer, speaker, author, and former stock trader who made history as the youngest and second black woman to trade on the NYSE trade floor in 226 years. She is also the host of the Spotify Original Money Moves podcast. We are so excited to talk to Lauren today. Welcome to the show. I am so excited and so grateful to be here. Oh, yay. We're excited too. So, Lauren, Brittany gave a general, like, brief intro as to who you are. Do you want to tell our girlies just a little bit more about yourself and, like, how you got started in this world of money? Yeah. So, uh, a little bit about myself and how I got started. For people that don't know, my background was not in finance. I went to college and studied genetics And the very long story short of that, what I wanted to pursue, I couldn't pursue because the only place that it was legal to be able to alter DNA, which is what I wanted to do to help children with uh, genetic abnormalities not uh, be born with genetic abnormalities. So I wanted to alter DNA. And the only place that it was legal was in China. So the day that I graduated college, I moved from Georgia to New York That same day, got on a plane with no plan. And through the power of networking, I end up meeting an incredible gentleman who, five minutes into our meeting, said, Goldman Sachs will not hire you. And I was thinking, okay, did I just waste my time coming to this coffee meeting? And before I could even have the look of disappointment come across my face, he said, would I be open to an equity trading position at the New York Stock Exchange? And I said, yes. Like I was so excited, so eager. I could not tell you what exactly they did at the New York Stock Exchange. (laughs) So, um, but I was well-versed in my background in statistics, numbers, and I knew minimally that I would just learn on the job. And so I went to the New York Stock Exchange the very next day, met all the men on the floor. And at the time there were 250 men on the floor. 
And I was given the job and I was given the job. And the only caveat was that I needed to pass the series 19 exam, which is an in-house New York stock exchange exam that has a 80% fail rate. And I passed that exam and the rest is history. Period. Don't tell her what she can't do. (laughs) Right. When I heard that you passed that exam and you were like one of the very few women there, I said, Look at her queening in, at the New York Stock Exchange. So that was just so beautiful to hear. And I know that you moved to New York and you were with your grandparents. I want to know, like, obviously you're super smart. You got there. You bodied the New York Stock Exchange. But you exceeded that and became like a money professional, right? But the thing is, with a lot of us, the way that our money behaviors are shaped, are formed, are primarily based on how our parents are with money, the way, even if it's indirect, right? Because a lot of our parents don't have money conversations with us. Like they don't walk us through it. They don't hold our hands, but we learn from them based on the way that they behave with money and the way that they spend money or talk about money. So how do you feel like your parents or or family shaped your money behavior? Well, you said something about sometimes or isn't, can be like indirect. It very much is direct, even if they're not directly having those money conversations. Like as children, we take on so much of our parents and their emotions and how they're feeling. And even if it's like the small nuances and saying things like, oh, we can't, you know, afford to buy that chocolate bar or, oh, that's too expensive. Like words have power and At all times, we should be very intentional how we speak about things. So let me just say that first and foremost. But for my family, I was raised in a single parent household and my mom was always very direct with me when it came to money and it came to bills and what she did for work and how much she made in salary. And my grandparents, uh, for the most part, they were really good with money as well. Um, We would always as a family have open money conversations and my aunt and I love her to death, but she, you know, isn't that great. She's the exact opposite of my mom and both of my mom and my aunt are byproducts of my grandparents and they look and view money completely night and day. And I think even though I didn't directly live with my aunt, because it's not just our parents or parents that dictates our relationship with money. It's the community. It's your family around you. And with my aunt, I could see like, yes, she would buy the very nice expensive things. And she, you know, would have these incredible experiences, but would very much, you know, rely on my grandparents to help her, whenever she needed to pay a bill or, you know, and she moved back in with my grandparents quite a few times, um, very much in her adult years. My mom, on the other hand, very much save, save to her detriment in the sense of I never vacationed with my mom. I would vacation with my grandparents. I would see the world with my grandparents. My mom, she, you know, we just didn't do those things. And she was very much into budgeting and saving. And now me as an adult, it's nice to be able to 
show my mom that there is a healthy balance. Like we can budget, we can save, but we can also explore and have these incredible opportunities and, you know, being able to take her, you know, to a resort on the beach and, you know, get spas and, you know, have spontaneous trips, you know, all within reason, all within budget. She now gets to see, okay, it's not just about saving money in life. It's about having those experiences along the way. Yes. That it, it's funny that you even brought up your aunt, right? Because I think when I think about what has shaped my views around money, at first I wasn't thinking about how my grandmother or anyone outside of my nuclear family might have impacted my beliefs or my values around money. But now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, I got some people in my family who also <laughs> didn't know what the hell they were doing. And I'm not surprised that, you know, my mom acts the way she does around money or I act the way I act around money. So we stumbled upon this concept of financial archetypes and money personalities. And a lot of what you were saying, I was like hearing like little light bulbs were going off. Ding, ding, ding. I'm like, oh, her mom sounds like she has this type of money personality. Yeah. And her aunt sounds like yeah. she has this type of money personality. So we're going to just read off a few money personalities to you and we want you to tell us which one you think you are, which I kind of already feel like I know, but for the girls <laughs> okay. out there who's, who are listening. Okay. So there's blissfully ignorant. And this is a person who feels uncomfortable or avoidant thinking about or engaging with money. There is the admirer who enjoys making and having money. They often think about ways to increase their income at work or through side hustles. We have the free spirit or the spender that believes the money is meant to be spent and enjoyed during their time on earth. They enjoy the finer things like bringing host gifts when they go to a friend's house and tends to be the person who either picks up a little something, something more often than not. And the doomsday preppers. And these are those people who think a lot about money because they're fearful of running out or not having enough. Which Ooh. one do you think you are? I think I'm two of them and they're like kind of extreme. I think I'm doomsday, <laughs> but I also am the second one that you named. What was that? The admirer? Admire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like I definitely enjoy money. I love making money. I'm always looking at, you know, how can I increase uh, my income? Because a salary, one salary is is not what's going to get you the life of your dreams. It's about, you know, being a multifaceted uh, person and, and having different streams of income. But I am always, always thinking about the future and what if and how can I be responsible and be okay in those moments? I mean, the reality is like we're going into recession. And so mm -hmm. a lot of this free money that's been raining down on people, uh, whether people have been investing in crypto or investing in the stock market or just there's just has been a lot loans. of the yeah. PPP loans, right? <laughs> like there's been a lot of free money that has come the last few years and we are now in an economic cycle where, where we are in a recession and those things, those luxuries aren't going to be as accessible. Right. And we, you know, kind of not to be bleak, but have to, you know, think about what the next, you know, 18 to 24 months is going to look like. Ciao. Very true. I've been thinking, <laughs> I've been thinking, I've been thinking for sure. I resonated with you saying that you feel like you are like a combination of the archetypes because I think that's true for a lot of us. And I think sometimes we also have cycled through these archetypes in different parts of our lives. Like in one part of my life, when I was younger, I was definitely blissfully ignorant. 
running up credit cards, signing up for all the credit cards on the college campus and feeling like that debt was just going to go somewhere. And then when it was time to get an apartment, I'm like, what do you mean I have a 500 credit score? (laughs) I What? So um, what do you feel like has been your biggest financial mistake that you've made? You know what? Because I am a little too not fearful of money, but fearful of losing money. And again, that comes from my mom and the budgeting and saving and her being so conservative. I can't say that I've ever had the mistake of like running up a credit card because if it wasn't the fear of like credit, it was the fear that my mom was going to curse me out. (laughs) I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you spending the way that you're spending? And she even like still does as an adult. But I think for me, it was being okay to actually spend money. So it was the opposite. Like it was, okay, I've worked hard. I've made my money and I should enjoy my money instead of like forming the same habits that my mom has. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's been, okay, making these large, I just bought my first home and I will say that that experience, thank you, uh, was the most terrifying experience I've ever had in my life with the amount of money that you have to put down on a home and just seeing, you know, my bank account just getting a little bit smaller and thinking, this is a commitment. This is at least a 30 year commitment. Do I, do I want to commit to this? I don't know. But I knew I wanted a home. It's been every day that I'm in it. I haven't officially moved in yet, but every day that I'm in it and I go to it, like I've, I've made you know, the best decision. The other thing that's kind of small nuance is checking my bank account. Like when I was younger, I was so afraid of checking my bank account because I just didn't want to have like a reality check of how much I've spent when it comes to money. And just doing those small things of not becoming afraid and not having these negative emotions when it came to money helped empower me to essentially make more money and to be okay with my spending habits. I I definitely resonate with that. When I was younger, I would, my account used to be negative and (laughs) the way they have it set up now is not the way they had it set up back then. The transactions were days late and online banking wasn't really a thing. You had to call in to listen to your bank account. So I'm like, Oh, the transactions haven't hit. I still have some coins spending more than you have spending more than what I have. Um, But I, I truly believe that, those younger girls and women who we have listening right now will learn a lot, not just from you and your platforms, but the more we talk about money and normalize these conversations, it's like there's nothing to be afraid of. You have to deal with it head on. And even in our community, talking about money is a touch taboo, you know, unless it's, it's almost like if you got it, you got it. And if I don't, I don't. We're not going to talk about the in-between. Yeah. I don't want to tell you how much I make. I don't want to tell you how much debt I'm in. We don't do that. But How do we normalize these conversations in our communities or in what ways do you normalize these conversations around money where we can be more comfortable? You know, it's interesting because I talk about money. I have no problem talking about money. You want to talk about sex. You want to talk about politics. Like, let's talk about all of it. And I'm so in in living in New York for five years. Like, I'm so transparent. I'm so direct. And so, you know, people will ask me, like, how do you talk about it? I'm like, I don't know, like the same way, like people ask me, 
you know, what's your name? My name is Lauren Simmons. I'm like, what's your credit score? How much do you pay in rent? How much debt do you have? Like I have, I I won't ever ask someone flat out, like, cause I think that is a little taggy, like how much money do you make? But you can kind of assess by how much someone pays with their mortgage or how much they pay in rent, how much debt they have and what kind of credit cards they have and what kind of car they have. You can kind of assess and kind of gauge some of those small things and paint a picture, okay, like they must make X amount of dollars or they are living absolutely above their means, right? But I, you know, have no problem talking about it and like being on dating apps, like, you know, sometimes like, I'm like, oh yeah, I live in this building. And they're like, that building is like, you know, $5,000 a month. And they're like, maybe I shouldn't be taking you out on a date. Period. Well, you're like, yeah, I'm like, you're probably right. <laughs> and then when it comes to my girlfriends, you know, they are so sweet. And, you know, we just have open, transparent conversations. I mean, I'm not in a, in a place of judgment. I want to always be in service and helping people and like just normalizing the conversation like you like you said. And so I love when they, you know, just have those open conversations with me. I never push. I never judge. If they want to have those op- open conversations, I'm happy to have it. If they don't, I'm happy to not have it. It should be a mutual space and a safe space. But you know, at the end of the day, money is taboo. Money has a lot of emotions tied to it. So I try to be really cognitive uh, of how people are feeling when it comes to the conversation of money. Yes, girl. That's intentional. And that is important because it's touchy. It's like, why do you want to know? Right. Why do you you, want to know that information? Yeah. Or sometimes it's like you mentioned, everybody has different statuses and sometimes you don't want to offend people just living in your truth. Like, oh, I did this. I did that. And people do have different mixed emotions. Like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but this is where I am. And and we should talk about it because if me sharing where I am, I'm being honest about where I am. It might motivate you to get where I am or vice versa. Maybe you telling me, girl, I got seven streams of income. I'm making money doing this. I do. It opens us up to the realm of possibility it that does. there is more. Yeah. Because so, so many of us just go to work, come home, go to work, come home. And yeah. we haven't even wrapped our minds around making a lucrative side hustle or having a lucrative side hustle. Yeah, absolutely. We also like sharing tips and tricks like Lauren. I know that you've shared on multiple platforms that you live off of a small percentage of your income, which is admirable. I would love a homegirl who can be like, you know what? This is what I do. And Mm -hmm. I know that you practice the 50-30-20 rule. Is that something that you've always practiced? And can you share that practice with the listeners? Because we love something we can put in our pocket, take home and use. Yeah, pull out in time of need. (laughs) Yeah. So actually for me, I, I kind of live by like the 80-20. So I save 80% of my income and people are going to say, well, she makes a lot of money. Like, you know, she can easily do that. So I was living off saving uh, 80% when I was making 12000 And for people that don't know, when I worked at the New York Stock Exchange, I was only making $12,000. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't the best thing in the world. But you know, I had a friend that worked on the floor. He came on the floor after me, told me at dinner one day that he was making 120000 And so to your point, going back to the conversation of, you know, empowering each other by having these open conversations, when he told me that he was making 120000 the same way that I could say my name is Lauren Simmons, 
was the same way that the next job moving forward, I said, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to ask for 120,000 and I'm going to do so with confidence. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to have that intuition, that internal gut feeling that no one else can put that into you, right? Like you have to have that confidence to ask for it and manifest those things. And I believe that we are all super attractors. I believe we can all manifest. It's not some gimmicky, you know, somewhere out there, like the same way that you can walk in, breathe, excel, my name is Lauren Simmons and I'm making 120,000 and really feeling that in in your gut, you're going to get that to you. Um, And so in my friend's case, once he told me that, I was like, okay, I got to do better. But even outside of making 120,000 and have surpassed that, me living off of 12,000, I wanted to do so because I knew that I was going to make a lot of money. And I didn't want to get to a point where I was keeping up with the Joneses, having lifestyle inflation, making these six figures and still spending like crazy. And so I had to figure out, and the reality is for people, the same way you spend money at 12,000, if you know how to budget and save at 12,000, you know how to budget and save at 100,000, you know how to budget and save at 20 million, period. Mm -hmm. The only thing that changes is, is the zeros behind it. And really being truthful with your emotions and your relationship with money. Like, what is your relationship with money? And we'll get to that in a moment. And be honest with yourself. And if you can budget and save, you can have positive emotions when it comes to finances and what you're budgeting and saving for. Then the rest is history. But for people that don't know, the 50-30-20 rule, 50% goes towards your everyday expenses. So this is your rent. This is your mortgage, electricity, car note, bills, everyday monthly expenses is going to go in your 50%. The 30-20% can change uh, depending on who you are, but 30% can go towards your savings and 20% goes towards fun. You can flip that around 20% uh, goes towards saving and 30% goes for fun. And for me, I, again, always saved 80%. How did I do it with 12,000? I had a little bit of help, obviously, obviously. I lived with my grandparents and I stayed with my grandparents even when I was making six figures to make sure that I had enough saved up so that I can pay for a full year's worth of expenses. So this was going to be my rent. This was going to be my electricity. This was going to be, at the time I was younger than 26, so I didn't have health care. But I made sure that I had enough of a strong cushion, enough of a rainy day, so that I would be fine. And I'm happy that I did it that way because when I did eventually get my first apartment was December 2019, March 2020, the world shut down. And I moved back home with my mom. I didn't have to, but it was New York City. I was alone. It was very weird time. I moved back to Georgia and I still paid my monthly rent. Like everyone was telling me, don't pay your rent. Like, you you know, you'll, you'll get the aid when it comes to Mm -hmm. um, COVID. And I was like, no, I was like terrified. I was like, no, I don't want to mess up my credit. I don't know what this means. Like I might have to pay this money back. And I still, you know, paid it and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the experience and 
I'm grateful that I did it the way that I did it, that I didn't have to worry that entire year. And if you can manage your expenses for an entire year, you can change your life an entire year. You can get laid off from a job, get another new job, get a side hustle, lose a side hustle. So much can happen in a year. So if you can get a year worth of expenses, you know, of cushion, you're good. And so my advice to people like so often we're so eager to start our lives and to live this life. And, you know, and I was living in New York City and it was not fun or sexy or cool to be living with my grandparents. But I wouldn't have done it any other way because if I did it any other way as a black woman reality, I would have been starting before the start line. And this is one of the reasons contributing factors of why we can't get ahead. And and it's not even about just being a black woman. It's about budgeting and saving in this generational wealth that we're all trying to get because we get so eager and so excited to go and live our lives. And those, guess what? Those trips, those experiences, those things will be there and they'll be there when you're ready to be there, but don't try to jump ahead and like have that happen. But what I was going to ask you all was, Come on, flip it around. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm no. like, wait, what was I? Well, because I was, I was like, relationship with money. It. I think. Yeah, I yeah, your relationship with money. So, what is like a word that you guys use with your relationship with money? Mm. Give me an adjective. Responsible. <laughs> responsible. You are responsible. Very careful. Yay! Very careful. very almost almost to the point that one of my friends she tries to call me cheap, but I'm not cheap. I'm just like really mindful about what I'm going to spend, and mm-hmm. sometimes, especially if it's like a feel good purchase, I have to yeah. really want it and convince myself that I need it or I deserve it. Um, but mm-hmm. it takes me time before I get to that point. And you, and that obviously comes from something that has happened. In my your mom, my mom. We we didn't have any financial issues when I was growing up, but it's because my mom was poor as hell when she was growing up, and she did everything she could to make sure that that wasn't our reality. So, like, right. we were financially very, very secure. But as a result, I fear out of her conversations, right? Like, because she hates that part of her childhood. And just constantly talking about that type of thing. I fear not having money. I'm like, oh, no, I need to have my shit together. It will never not be together because it's It's never not not been. That's another thing. I think because I've never dealt with any financial financial insecurities or any obligation, like, you know, anything that really like stressors. I don't want to even go down that road. I'm like, hold on. It's not the road for me. That's not my (laughs) story. I'm very careful with money because same with my upbringing, we weren't poor, but my mom is a super spender, sometimes impulsively. And just hearing the conversations that she was having with money in my mind, I wanted to do the reverse of that. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be like that. Like, I don't want to spend all my money impulsively and then think about the consequences after. Mm-hmm. I would rather get ahead of it and say, what do I actually have to spend? Because I already have like anxiety around money. And that would just increase my anxiety, knowing that I just said, fuck it all, and then try to (laughs) fix it on the end. So I'm like, let me try to do the opposite of that so that, you know, I can feel better because I just feel like the anxiety is something that was placed with me in childhood and I'm trying to battle against it. So that's what determines my behaviors when it comes to money. I love that. And that's responsible. I mean, and to your point, that happens for a lot of people in the sense of, okay, I've seen and like how my parents or the community was around money. Now I'm going to do the exact opposite. Or sometimes, you know, we end up or some people just end up being or 
direct reflection of their parents and doing exactly the same. So it's nice that you can identify the bad habits and trying to course correct that. But of course, you know, we want to make sure that we're having, you know, the balance and having fun and like, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, so I think because I'm so careful, um, it comes and slaps me in the ass sometimes. And we hear all of these conversations about investing, right? And that scares me because we hear it in a good light, like you should be investing and that's how you build wealth. You need to have your money working for you. But as someone who's careful with money or just being in the black community as a whole, right? Like sometimes we feel like we only have enough to do the bare minimum. So how do we begin to wrap our mind around investing? Like, do we need large amounts of money? Is there a way that we can start small with this just to get ahead? Because like you said, having just your job and going Mm -hmm. to work and paying bills is not Mm going to do much. Yeah. You know, the the misconception of you need to have a lot of money to, to invest is so dated. I'm not even sure like where it comes from. Like every little bit counts, but I want people to realize that it is an investment. Like if you are looking to get wealthy or rich overnight, we're not investing. That is some other financial thing that I don't know what that is. I couldn't give you advice on what that is. And you probably should go to those experts to help you (laughs) with that. But with that being said, if we're investing, if we're investing in ourselves and we're investing in our future, like we know that these things don't happen overnight and we're, we're looking at the long game. And so with that, there's so many different ways to invest. So many people get so, you know, lasered in on the stock market and me, my background coming from the New York Stock Exchange, of course, yes, you can invest in the stock market, but that's not a guarantee, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is some um, deviance where you could lose money. There are more secured ways to invest your money. Right now, treasuries, treasuries are yielding around a 4% return and you can do long-term or short-term treasuries, short-term, anything less than 12 months, long-term, anything over a year, That will give you a guaranteed return of 4%, more or less, depending on which treasury that you you pick. And with that, there's also alternative assets. And alternative assets is something that I've really started to really look into because I realized that that is where the money is. You know, that, you know, I said, like, we start before the start line and it's frustrating having to play catch up and realize that there are different ways to invest money. What I now know is that when it comes to people that are wealthy, you don't have to be wealthy to do this, but a lot of them, what do they invest in? The stock market, sure, more or less. Real estate. Real estate often can have a hard entry point to get into, but they also invest in fine art. And we, when we talk about a Basquiat painting, and for people that don't know who um, Basquiat is, he uh, was a Black um, artist back in the, the 80s. His paintings are now worth more than Andy Warhol and 20 million. And what is nice is that the accessibility to get these pieces, no, you don't have to have $20 million. I don't have 20. A lot of people don't have 20 million to just go out and buy a painting, but you can buy essentially fractional shares of artwork mm-hmm. at an affordable price. And then you buy a fractional share. Once that artwork sells, your money has risen. Mm-hmm. And 
Of course, like with anything, it's not guaranteed, but a Basquiat painting isn't going down in price. Real estate isn't going down in price. Like it's not losing its value. And so what I've been putting more time and focus in is looking at, you know, fine art, looking at these collectibles, a Michael Jordan um, jersey just sold for, I think, like $24 million and looking at that world and how can I invest my money? We know Michael Jordan we know Michael Jackson, like we know these these things will continue to grow in value. Michael Jackson specifically because he's not alive anymore. Michael Jordan, I mean, he he's alive, but he, you know, is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Like those memorabilia items are only going to grow in value. And so all that to say you can invest as little, as much as you want. I like to be more conservative when it comes to investing. So it's really understanding what is your risk tolerance? If you have a high risk tolerance, you're probably going to invest in crypto. I'm not an advocate for crypto. I will argue people down for crypto to this day till tomorrow in the future. It's not something I'm investing my money in. But if we're talking about more conservative items, such as, you know, the fine art world and collectibles and things of that nature, yes, I will invest my money in because the growth potential is crazy. The sneaker world and I don't even wear sneakers, but the sneaker world having me invest in sneakers, you know, is saying that it will be about uh, $2 trillion in about five years. And so you buying a limited edition sneaker today for $200, $300, even $1,000. And and that entry point obviously is not as affordable for a lot of people, but I know people buy sneakers. People will spend their money where they want to spend their money on but you buy that for $1,000 today in five years, if you wanted to sell it, you could be looking at $10,000, $15,000 on selling and, and making a profit, which is insane. Yeah, it is. You like really, you right. I said fine arts. Now you're a different kind of girl. <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 what are we doing? And that is like, girl, I wasn't even thinking about that. When you think about investing in art, you think about buying the whole piece yeah. and having it in your home, right? Mm-hmm. It's more of a status symbol. I've mm-hmm. never considered investing in it as like, this is my investment, yeah. you know, or like putting money towards it as an investment. But I just want to backtrack a, t- a touch because yeah, go um, you had made mention of, being mindful of like the trips and spending money on the things and mm-hmm. all of these, all of this stuff that we want to do right now, feeling like we have to have these experiences, buying the labels and trying to find some balance between working really hard and having the things that we like. But what practical tips can you share, especially for our younger listeners who are like in their college years or just graduating for really learning how to the mindset around saving and enjoying and like just just the whole thing. I know we understand the the percentage of what to save, but the mindset that goes into it, because it's hard, girl. Everybody wants to be an it girl and being an (laughs) it girl comes with things. You got to have your things. And it's expensive being an it girl. You know, the thing is, when it comes to mindset, you have to love who you are, right? Like you cannot keep up with the Joneses, can't keep up with the Kardashians, can't keep up with people on Instagram. Reality is a lot of people on Instagram are also not what people are thinking they are. So Mm -hmm. really, you shouldn't be looking up to them. I think what so often happens with this mindset is that we are in a habit of comparing ourselves to the next person. And really, you just have to be focused on your lane and what you want and not what you want impulsively, right? Like what you actually want. Like when I make this purchase, does it make me feel good? 
more than five minutes. And will I love this in a year? Will I love this in five years? If you want to go on that trip, go on the trip. But don't go on the trip to your detriment where you're coming back and now your credit is shit. Now you don't have anything in your savings. Guess what? Those places, Paris will still be there. You are not missing out. Those concerts, some of artists will still be there. You are not missing out. And if you did miss out, then guess what? It wasn't meant for you. What will be for you will be for you. And I think the biggest thing that I want people to, to take away, especially at that impressionable age, is don't compare. What is meant for you will be for you. Save and budget. Have those experiences but don't ever have those experiences where you are walking away and then you just feel like crap because it wasn't even worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably not. That's so true. You definitely have to be intentional and do a self-check. And you mentioned like keeping up with the Joneses and the celebrities and Cardi B. She was just on her Instagram talking about inflation and the price of groceries. And it's like people pay attention. This is affecting all of us, no matter how much money We have. And I know (laughs) people were coming down on her and they were like, you have all this money. Why are you worried about the cost of groceries like us regular people? And it's like because she wants to keep the money. She wants to be able to maintain her lifestyle. And with inflation, we don't know how much longer we're going to be able to do that. So, right. And uh, it's still a sticker shock. Like, again, if you like this time last year. You know, a CNBC video that I did, like, I I think I was saying I was spending $100 a month in groceries and people were like, how is she doing that? Listen, I I can do it. It's just me. I don't have no kids. It's just my dog. Like, I I, I eat, I work out, I live my life. You know, I can do it. I'm not spending that same money in February 2023. I'm just not. And that's the reality. And whether I have it, don't have it, it still is very impactful. And it's not just groceries, it's utilities. I'm looking at like my electric bill from this time uh, last year to now. And I'm like, what is going on? And if you, if anyone lives in California, you know, the gas prices, like my, my monthly bill in December shot up three times. Like we're talking about a hundred dollar bill that went to $400. I was like, what? And as someone who really does budget and save, and I don't care if I have the money, like that is still really concerning. And of course I'm on the phone and I'm like, explain it to me. No, my meter says this. No, these numbers are off. No, no, no. And and, and the one of the people on the phone, they're like, I can tell that you're really into numbers. So I was like, oh, I am. So, so I was like, we're, we're going to go through every last one of these numbers. I mean, it's, it didn't reduce my bill by much, but even still that was impactful. And, you know, I definitely empathize with people, but this is all an economic cycle. I will say that. And we will get past it. And so live below your means, you know, trust the process. Don't do anything impulsive. If there's things that you can cut back on, cut back on. Um, but, you know, I said earlier in the show, it's going to be a rough, you know, 18 to 24 months. That's just where we are. Then that's the reality. It's not great. It's not comfortable, but we'll get past it. Just be strategic and smart and we'll be okay. We will be yeah. okay. She said it, live below your means. Don't get to moving, y'all. I know. Don't get to moving, <laughs> buying new cars. You know, that's what we do. Girl, as soon as oh, we... that's the last. Yeah, that's the first thing that yeah. people want to do. The lifestyle crazy. upgrade. The lifestyle inflation. Yeah, we make inflation for our own lives when I definitely have been telling myself, live below your means because the money burns a hole in our pockets sometimes. It's like, I got more money coming in. We're automatically online looking at high rise apartments. 
new models of cars, but you know what? Sometimes it's just best to sit down, sit down and make sure you're not in a never ending cycle where you feel like I don't have any money, even though I'm getting a promotion because you keep making your expenses go up Mm -hmm. with said promotion or increase of income. So I know we do want to level up, but it has to be mindful and make sense. So it does. And the other thing that I was going to say is that, again, it's it's again, these emotions that we have tied to money and really is this making us feel good? One of my very first expensive purchases that I made, you know, I was really excited to give me a pair of Louboutins. So I was like, <laughs> yes, like this is what I want to do. And, you know, I saved, I had worked hard and I went out, purchased me some Louboutins. And when I say five minutes after I had them and I still have them, so grateful for them, but I was like, Okay, I have them. Like, it didn't change my life. It didn't make me like some other Lauren out there. It just was like, okay, now I have Louboutins. And kind of in that moment was the light bulb switch that went off that especially with these materialistic items, they're nice to have. And definitely if you want them and not just because it's a fad, not because like, oh, I have it, but like you just really want it. And there's a difference between really wanting something and really wanting something for someone else. Mm -hmm. Because we get in this mentality of how can we show it off? How can we be cool? How can we get these compliments? Once you get out of that mindset, it's really easy, especially with those purchases that are more impulsive or those purchases of, oh, I want the high rise or I want the nice car. And not that you can't have those things, but want it for you. Don't want it for anyone else. Yeah. And and how is it going to, and really, how is it going to make you feel after five minutes? That I love that rule of thumb. Check the temperature because after five <laughs> minutes, your stomach may be hurting with the buyer's Sick. remorse. <laughs> Sick about it. With a buyer's but- remorse. The other thing, buyer's remorse, that's actually a good thing because I, not a good thing, but I, something that I've learned to myself, a budgeting and saving, like, how do you do it? So another thing that I will do is that if I am unsure if I want something now, often I'll, I'll give myself like a 60 day rule. If I'm still like sitting and like wanting something, then I'll purchase it. But then I also give myself a rule depending on like where I'm buying something from If I buy something and I immediately don't want to wear it, right, because we want to buy something with the intention that I want it not to show it off to someone else, sometimes I'll just buy stuff and you have to be financially responsible. So this is not for people that are not financially responsible, but if you are financially responsible, sometimes I will buy something. I will sit it and put it in my closet. If I'm not reaching for it in 30 days or before the return date, it's going back. Mm. That means I really don't want it. I like that too. I do too. Because I'll have stuff. I went through my closet, got rid of a bunch of stuff. Child still had the tags on it. I said, now I, either I didn't want it or I didn't have nowhere to go. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I need places to go to wear these things, baby. And if I ain't got nowhere to go, I don't need the item. Something, something happened. You there. don't. I don't right, know what happened, right. but something, something happened. And then there's those right. things that you keep reaching for. Like, I really love these boots. I These were worth it. I'm wearing these boots. So Yeah, exactly. And like, you, you know that, yeah, I really want this. So I think that has been really helpful for me. I love that. We love a practical gym. We do. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Can you let our girls know where to find you and anything that you have going on? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you can find me on Instagram at LA Simmons. 
And yes, you can always listen to my podcast, Money Moves, as well as my new book that is coming out by HarperCollins. I'm going to come back on the show later on in this year. Um, but I can't wait for you all to read the book. It's all about personal finance and it'll give you way more tips on investing and having a good relationship with your money and how to actually make your money work for you. Yes. We cannot wait. We are so excited for that. Thank you so much, Lauren. You are amazing. Thank you for the work that you do. And we we are wishing you the best in all of your future endeavors. So yes, can't wait to have you you back. Yes, I'm so excited. I really enjoyed that conversation. So many gems were dropped. I hope y'all felt the same. But after this, we're coming right back with more Black Girl Bravado. So before we get back into the show, we just want to remind y'all of a few things. Please continue to rate, follow, and love. Subscribe. Subscribe. (laughs) But love it too, shit. (laughs) All that. Uh, In Spotify, we are there. You get that, turn that bell on so that you get notifications that pop up on your phone when the girlies drop a new episode. Also, we have our membership community over on Patreon where we are doing all the things. I think we're doing our live episodes. We are this month. We For the first time ever, we are having a live podcast recording. We are. Our bravado bonus will be live. So we can't wait to connect and do the real like, you know, engaging thing. This is going to be fun and new. So um, if you're interested, even in seeing what that's like, feel free to join us over there. I'm sure you're going to love it. Right. So all that information is down in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Lastly, the clocks are ticking. It is. I don't know if there's some extra funds rolling in, but if you feel on your heart that you want to join us on our She Connects Unlocking Sisterhood Wellness Retreat, then baby, there just may be a spot left for you. One with your name on it. One. So if you want to do that, we'll be in El Salvador with the homegirls. All of that information is down in the show notes as well. So let's and actually hold on, hold on, hold on, because I cannot go another minute without shouting our patrons out. You are so right. They are the wind beneath our wings. And I want to give them their flowers. Let's give them their flowers. What are we giving them? Um, Hydrangeas. Okay. so we are giving hydrangeas to Sabrina Sabrina. and Sierra. Hey, Sierra. I'm so glad y'all joined us over on Patreon. It's going to be Liddy. It is. Big titty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) so let's get back into the show. Mm hmm. Okay, y'all. So we are here in our Well, If You Ask Me segment. And you've already heard the topic, but now we get to just talk more candidly about how we feel. So how do you manage your money? I manage my money by every pay period. I'm a pen and paper girl. I frequently check my bank account. I don't spend money unless I know what everything is. I feel like I can't spend money without frequently checking like what the fuck is really here. So Mm. every payday, I write out my budget. I automatically subtract the bills and then I have my different accounts. So I have my bills account. I have my spending account and I have my savings account. So whatever's in my little kitty, my spending account, I know that I can do whatever I want with that. That money is money that's been put aside to do whatever. If you want to go shopping, if you want to buy 
a ticket, a plane ticket, concert tickets, whatever that's there. My bills are for all my bills and then savings is for savings. And that's automatically taken from my check. And then the other money I get paid, I manually put money from that into the savings account. It got to be broken down and I cannot move on Friday, the bi-weekly Friday without, (laughs) I love when we get three paydays, but I can't move and start spending without that. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have the same practice. I have four accounts. I'm like, what's happening with my my shit? Plus mm-hmm. my credit card. I don't use my debit card anymore for any really anything. Mm-hmm. I use my credit card. But again, everything has already been accounted for. And I too write all my shit out for the month though. I know what the fuck is happening for over the month. I'm like, let me look at my calendar. Sprawl it all out. And then I do look at my bills from like week to week to mm-hmm. week. Um, and I just try to keep a nice running tab of everything that's happening because I, there are no surprises in my life. Yeah. There are few surprises, especially financial surprises. Like I can already account for everything that's happening. Nothing sneaks up on me. nigga. I'm Unless it's like ass. car problems or something. Yeah. Something just unforeseen. But for the most part, like everything in my life is plotted, planned. And, and I need it to be that way. I need it to be that way because it offers me peace of mind. And when my mind is at rest, my soul and my, yeah. <laughs> my soul is at rest. So I have the same practice of like really figuring out what's coming in, what's going out, what's being put to the side, what you could really ball out on. Do you have it to do? do can you actually splurge on that or not? Right. Because you'll be thinking, oh, I got this. I got that girl. Uh-uh. There's other things that need to happen. You know, even going to the dentist, I said, I can't even <laughs> treat myself because nigga, I got to go over here and get him. This money. Yeah. It'd be stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I could go buy a little purse. Actually, you can't buy a little purse. You got to get that thing and you got to get that fixed. <laughs> I'm like, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Lord Jesus. It has to be written out. And it, it, those those real life. I hate when real life expenses. Impede on the fun. Yeah. Impede on the play. I hate that. And I'm like, the real life expenses are adding up. Girl. But but I know what I'm working with. So it's like, but those are your real life expenses. So and yeah, you have to take, this is what's left over. And sometimes you have to swap out the fun for the things that have to get done. Rapping on AS. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say your money personality is out of the ones we described? Ooh, I am a mix between the doomsday prepper mm-hmm. and probably the admirer. Out of these, the admirer. I'll say I'm a combo of the, admirer the spender in the doomsday prepper mm-hmm. it really depends on what's going on what the mood is what the vibe is because sometimes when we get to them restaurants we be like okay yeah we'll get that we'll get that you know it depends on or we're out yeah. for drinks it's like okay we'll get rounds but i feel like that's also within the realm of like what we have to spend it never gives like i'm no. just being impulsive and no. i don't really have it because there'll be people who are out not having it and spending it right. it's kind of like I, I came here with the mindset that I could spend 150 on dinner. That's already been allotted. You feel me? That's true. Like it's budgeted. If we spend- But sometimes with the drinks, I probably didn't plan to spend, forget five drinks. And now I think <laughs> five, five sounds excessive, but you know what I'm saying. I know. Sometimes you know? the good times are just rolling. Yeah. Sometimes the good times are just Sometimes rolling. they do roll. But I would say like um, those three the most when it comes to my money personality, depending on what I got going on. And we encourage you to find out what your money personality is. There'll be a quiz down in the show notes. So share it, take it, you know, talk to your friends about it. And let's have more conversations about money. Let's do it. So let's get to some solutions and some tips so we can share with the homegirl some practical ways that we can just have better behaviors Mm -hmm. when it comes to our money. 
Okay, y'all. So the first step, identify your current relationship with money and how you want your relationship with money to be. We're starting with just taking inventory, right? This is how I am. I know I spend a lot. I know I super save. And my goal is, my hope is to be more like this with my money. Yeah. Which segues perfectly into the second solution is to give your money an assignment. You know, be intentional with what it is that you're doing with your coins. If the goal is I want to be a homeowner, then that's the assignment for the money. Because a lot of times I don't give my money assignment. It just comes into my account. I divvy it up and then we balling. We just live in. But we have to start being strategic and intentional. Like this is what my money is going towards in this season. If it's saving, great. If it's remodeling your home, great. If it's redoing your wardrobe, great. But just give it us an assignment so you're not just out here living. Another solution is to view money as a tool. So money is like a hammer, right? You can either use that hammer to build things or you can use that hammer to break things. And it's the same with money. You can use money to get the things that you need and some of the things that you want or money can be a major stressor in your life if you're using it in that way. Yeah. So we want to make our money work for us and use it as a tool and try to alleviate all of the anxiety and stress as much as possible. Exactly. Um, next, we need to reframe our perspective around money. If we are not doing anything to actively increase our knowledge or our awareness of our money, then there's no way that we're going to feel stronger when it comes to our money decisions. You know, it's like you have to figure out what, what they talking about. <laughs> What's going on over there? Because a lot of us have not been shown this skill, the skill of handling money. We be teaching our kids everything else. Let me teach you how to make this gumbo. Let me teach you how to make this sweet potato pie. Let me show you how to clean these greens. Let me show you this. Let me show you all the little things that we try to pass down. Pass down some money skills. <laughs> Damn, somebody in this family get good with the coins. Yeah, and acknowledging that you don't have the skills, but just because you don't have them doesn't mean that you can't gain them. Yeah, develop. Also ask yourself, are the beliefs that I have around money true? Yeah. Am I broke or am I just mismanaging my money? Because we hear stories. I know I hear stories about how people are making $30,000 a year, $20,000 a year and being able to save, spend and have a little fun, you know? So it's not always the amount that we're bringing in. I know that some of us have the mentality, myself included, like I said, that the more money, the better. But sometimes just the mentality around money, like yeah. it's not how much you're bringing in. It's how you're managing what you have. Mm. Which takes us into the next tip. Eliminate the things that interfere with you having a healthy relationship with money. Now, you're going to have to be the one to take inventory of this because sometimes it's people in your life who are asking for your money. Nigga, <laughs> <laughs> stop making your emergencies my emergency. I hate that. Stop calling on me. Baby, I'll be so quick to live. I'm like, they calling on me again. Boundaries, beloved. Whatever that looks like, if you have a problem with shopping, but you got all the apps on your phone, the Nordstrom app, the Sephora app, the thing that is, if you have a hell of a Klarna purchases slated to come out of your account every two weeks, figure it the hell out. Right. You may have to take a break from social media. We talked about social influence and that will have you running it up. Like, girl, oh, I need that. I need that. The it girls are this, the it boys. The ads that, that are constantly popping up influencing us to purchase things and don't let them have afterpay. That'll really get us. It's like, it's even more achievable. God, I can break man. this down and wrap it. It's mine. <laughs> it's mine. 
After pain and did something to our community. Girl, I took a detox from after pain. I love a breakdown in four. I love an after play in a Klarna. God. But I was I just was like, you know what? I need to free myself from these shackles. Yeah, just get it. Just buy it. I need to free Pay myself from full. these shackles for a little bit. Now, if it's something that I really need to tap in and utilize it, yeah. I will, but I it was starting to become too much. I'm like, uh uh-uh, I'm sitting up here having too much coming out of each paycheck. What started off as good has turned into bad, nigga. This is not savings. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> also, we got to stop comparing ourselves to others. We talked about this. Lauren talked about this. Stop clocking other people's coins because we don't even know their situation and worry about your situation and what you actually have. Right. What is you your know, money doing? You, you know what's coming in. And sometimes you cannot keep up. I want as much designer as the next girl. But I have to operate in what's in my means. You know, I have to. I just have to. I can look at it. I can admire, but I can't cop everything. And that's just where I'm at with it. Yeah. Accepting. First step. Accepting. And when I have it, I really want to have it. Lastly, understanding your spending emotions. When you are anxious, what do you do? When you're sad, what do you do? When you are down, depressed, what do you do? Do you immediately say, I need to go buy something to make me feel better? And when you are buying things, what emotional state are you in? Sometimes we don't even think about that. I'm just out here spending my money and I haven't even thought like, damn, I'm going through a breakup. Mm-hmm. Like I'm coping with this or I'm not feeling too well with the way I physically look. I haven't been eating right. And all of this stuff is like meshing, creating one big bad habit. So think about that. And when you buy things like Lauren had mentioned, take inventory how you feel a few days later. Do I still feel good about that purchase? Am I having buyer's remorse? Why did I buy it? Was it really worth me having it? All of that. We have to consider our emotions around our spending habits. Yeah, we do. We hope that the conversation empowers you to just examine your money behaviors and make adjustments wherever you see fit. That's it. Do whatever you feel like is best for you and your money. That's all we can say. That is, that is. So um, y'all, next up, we have the I did that shit segment. Okay, so we are back, honey, and it's time to jump into the I did that shit segment. And this is the part of the show where we celebrate ourselves. We give ourselves our flowers. We big ourselves up for doing dope shit. This is also the part of the show where you can use a homegirl hotline to call in and tell us about the dope shit that you are doing. And we will share it here on the show. So this week for the I did that shit, we talk about asking for help when you need it. We also talk about being stretched thin. Right. And another thing we talk about is operating in our strengths and in our truths. Now, we told y'all that we wear hella hats. All the hats be on the girls because we're a small team and we have big goals. We have big dreams and there's just so many things we want to accomplish. But the other day, Jeremy and I sat in a coffee shop for five motherfucking hours, Mm -hmm. five hours. It was a content creating meeting and we were hitting a wall. No content was created. We were hitting a wall. We were struggling with figuring out. How to creatively come up with additional content. Coming up with content in regards to the podcast, like the episodes, we can do that in our sleep. Right. But we're not really the strongest when it comes to social media content creation. And a light bulb went off that we need help. We need to outsource this piece of the business because we're going to get frustrated. We're not going to get the results that we want to get if we don't do so. So we outsourced it. 
amazing digital strategist. And we felt so Jessica. good about that. Yes, Jessica, Jessica Rose. Rose, our girl. Who's also a part of our community. Yes, she is. We has outsour- been on the show. She has. <laughs> we outsourced that piece of the business and have seen already so much success in just a week. And a huge weight was lifted off of our shoulders because we can divert our attention and our talents to what we do best, which right. is performing. Some of those little minor pieces of the puzzle are just my brain cannot. Girl, you know if your brain cannot, mine don't. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what was that? But what we do do well is follow direction and instruction, girl. Tell us what to do and we could do that. We can. And that we are we are totally comfortable and confident at that. And we do a lot of things well, but we don't do all the things we well. We don't. And we're pretty sure that y'all don't either. So we just want to encourage you, um, whatever that looks like for you, that you need to delegate, take off your plate. Or even just ask a family member or a friend for help because you're just spent. Do it. Do that shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, the shit you need to do. We have a homegirl hotline. We've been getting calls. We going to gather them and we going to share them. But keep them coming in. Keep them coming in. We have a homegirl hotline down in our show notes where you can call us. You can text us. Let us know how you did that shit. Or if you have a question and you need some homegirl advice, you can do that too. Mm -hmm. Now it is time to... Pick Pick up up a a pin. We're dropping a gem. So we got another book for your bookshelf. Baby. We got another book for your bookshelf. So we've been talking about money behaviors, financial archetypes, and all of this comes down to the psychology of money. And there is an amazing book that I have on my bookshelf that I've started reading. And it is called The Psychology of Money. It's by Morgan Housel. It's about the timeless lessons on wealth, greed, and happiness. So this book is good because it's not just do this, do that. This is a book about life first and your finances second, because like we've mentioned in this episode, we want to better understand our behavior and our sense of ourselves and what makes us tick and how we can achieve these vibrant and content lives. Right. So we got to get down to the behavior and the psychology of it all. And they do that in this book by sharing real life stories that just help broaden your perspective and take a closer look at how you're operating. So get the book, y'all. I will be borrowing her book. Yeah, no, you're not. You want to hear it on Audible. Don't play with yourself. See if it's on Libby. I probably will. I know my strengths. Yes. I, there's a few <laughs> things that I want to read, and those things are reserved for that. That energy is reserved for those things. Yes. But I will let y'all know how it sounds on Audible. Yeah, and that's fine. Yes. I love an Audi too. So, so <laughs> thank y'all so much for just rocking with us this whole series. We had a really great time. These are amazing conversations, and hopefully, you feel more empowered, inspired, leveraged. To curate your own life. Yes. Be the vibe curator in your, your world. Life. Yes. In your I world. love that. You know I love I mean? that. So, um, again, thank you. We'll be back next month with a brand new fucking series. Baby. Brand new series talking about coming home to yourself. Yes. Honey, I'm home. It's going to be a good one. Baby, I'm home, bitch. Baby, so, yeah. I'm home, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of that. We love y'all so much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.